Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio and I love all things tech. And today we have the news for Thursday, February 25th, 2021. And we're going to start off with more about solar winds. We've covered the solar winds hack on Tech Stuff for a while now. This is the hack that primarily targeted the solar winds software product Orion, which is a network management software that's used by thousands of companies, including many of the Fortune 500, as well as government agencies like the Department of Homeland Security in the U.S., The United States Congress is holding sessions focusing on the hack and its scope and any next steps that we should be taking. To that end, Microsoft and a security company called FireEye are calling upon Congress to draft legislation that would create a mandatory process for companies to follow after the discovery of a data breach. The idea here is that the longer a company stays quiet about a breach, the more harm that can be done by the attackers, particularly if it turns out that other companies have also been targeted by that same group and have yet to detect an intrusion. Moreover, the companies urge that there should be a way for victims to come forward with these issues, even those that could potentially involve national security concerns, without the threat of having legal action leveled against those companies. So in other words, if a defense contractor detects a breach, it should be able to report it without worrying about being sued to eternity and back by the government, just as an example. As it stands, at the moment in the United States, this sort of thing is handled mostly on a state-by-state basis, with most states having their own rules in place to protect companies in the event that they need to report a security breach. But there is no existing federal legislation on the matter. On the whole, I think this is a pretty good idea. It encourages companies and agencies to share information with one another, which could drastically improve the response time to problems like security breaches. That, in turn, could reduce the potential impact of those breaches. Now, these are still very early talks, and it's also important to remember that any legislation has to be crafted responsibly, or else it runs the risk of making a problem worse, or at the very least, more complicated. Hannah Beach and Paul Mosur wrote a piece for the New York Times titled A Digital Firewall in Myanmar Built with Guns and Wire Cutters. If you have access to the New York Times, I recommend reading this piece. The reporters tell the story of how the military coup in Myanmar, which has overthrown a democratically elected administration, forcibly confronted telecoms and their employees in an effort to shut down communication systems within Myanmar, limiting the citizens' access to information and their ability to organize. It's a primitive but effective way to limit the resource of the internet, and the military in Myanmar appear to be determined to follow in the footsteps of China, which of course is famous for its own digital barriers to the outside internet, Often, we call it the Great Firewall of China. The situation in Myanmar is distressing, to say the least, and people like Tom Andrews of the United Nations have argued that there has to be an unequivocal global response to this coup, and countries like the UK, the United States, and Canada have already imposed sanctions on the coup leaders. Meanwhile, Myanmar citizens continue to organize protests, amassing in the streets and holding a general strike with a truly enormous display on February 22nd. 
This story is important all on its own, but it also stands as a reminder of how crucial the internet is. If it's something that an oppressive regime has to shut down in order to secure control, then you know it's important. Something else that's important is understanding how influential four companies are when it comes to the World Wide Web. That's what the Big Tech Detective Browser Extension aims to do. The extension comes from the Economic Security Project, and it does something rather peculiar. Most browser extensions aim to make a browser more useful, but the Big Tech Detective kind of does the opposite. So what it does is block access to any web page that connects to any IP address that belongs to Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, or Google. Now that includes some of the more sneaky, tricksy stuff, you know, like trackers, which are the sort of things that monitor your browsing behavior and report back to another entity, usually so that these companies can market the most relevant ads to you. That's why if you ever spend a few minutes looking at, I don't know, websites about pet care, you'll start to see more ads for pet care products and services pop up on Facebook. But a web page might contact one of these big four companies for less intrusive reasons, such as to pull fonts from a Google database. Anyway, it doesn't matter if the web page you're trying to look at is tracking you or if it's just hosted on Amazon Web Services or whatever. If this extension sees that that web page is at all connected to Amazon, Google, Facebook, or Microsoft, it blocks you from seeing that web page. As Mitchell Clark of The Verge points out, this makes the web practically useless. And that's kind of the point. It's an exercise to show people exactly how influential these four companies are when it comes to the web. Practically every page on the web has some sort of connection to these four companies. Now, it might be a light touch in some cases, or it might be a tight integration, but it really shows that those four companies wield significant influence on the web, and maybe that's not always a good thing. Oh, and as you might suspect, to get the extension for a browser like Google Chrome, you have to sideload it, meaning you're not going to find it on the actual Google extensions website. In previous episodes of Tech Stuff, we've looked at how Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube have removed posts and banned users for spreading misinformation. Well, now we can add TikTok to that list, as a report this week from the company shows that TikTok removed more than 340,000 videos from its platform for breaking the rules regarding election misinformation, disinformation, and manipulation. The transparency report covers TikTok's activities over the second half of 2020. So in addition to those videos that were taken down, the company also removed more than 440,000 videos from its recommendation engine. That means that you wouldn't see that pop up as a potential, hey, why don't you watch this video next kind of thing. Again, the purpose for the removal was that the videos had been flagged as containing misinformation, presumably not bad enough that TikTok would need to remove the video entirely, I guess, but it was no longer in recommendations, which really decreases their discovery. And TikTok also eradicated 1.75 million accounts. And TikTok says that it appears that they only existed for the purposes of elevating specific misinformation messaging. Whether we'll continue to see platforms like TikTok and its older social networking siblings stay on top of restricting the speed and spread of misinformation, that remains to be seen. 
Twitter has now added a warning to alert users to tweets that link out to sites that host stuff that was obtained illegally, like pirated content. The message reads, quote, these materials may have been obtained through hacking, end quote. So it's kind of like saying, okay, but for reals, these stereo systems didn't actually fall off the back of a truck like that guy keeps saying. They done dang stole them. In related news, people discovered that Twitter's methodology for identifying a bad link to a hacked material is itself a bit shoddy. Tom Warren posted a link on Twitter to The Verge's website. And The Verge is a respectable tech news site. I use them all the time. In fact, I cite them in these episodes. And the warning showed up on that post. But as Warren explained... Quote, so there's a way to trick Twitter into displaying its hacked materials warning. This will be today's Twitter meme until they fix it. End quote. The trick, by the way, was to type out a legitimate URL first, like www.theverge.com, then a slash, then a hashtag, followed by a URL that would trip the warning message. So a URL to a, an actual site that had pirated material on it. The good URL is what would show up in the tweet as the link, but Twitter would identify the bad URL and use that to generate the warning message. So it's not the end of the world, but it's definitely enough fodder for people to have a bit of fun posting links to legitimate sources and sites, but have them appear to be clearing houses for illegal spoils on the internet. Sony announced that the company is working on virtual reality hardware for the PS5 console, which can still be pretty hard to get your hands on these days. The PS4 had proved to be a good platform for VR. Unlike other VR products, it didn't require users to invest a couple of grand in a gaming rig just to run the software and power the hardware. And this announcement seems to indicate that virtual reality is really establishing its place in gaming and home entertainment. Now, it's certainly not as widespread as we were led to believe it would be, back in the 1990s when virtual reality was first really firing in the imaginations of the general public. But I still take this as an encouraging move because I like the idea of VR. I want to see it continue to grow. I want to see new experiences and games crafted for the virtual reality ecosystem. And I think having something that connects directly to a console where you don't need to do any upgrades or anything like that in order to make it work just makes a lot of sense. In sadder news, the U.S. electronics chain Fry's is going out of business. This in itself isn't a huge surprise. The company was already teetering before the pandemic in 2020. Like a lot of brick-and-mortar retail stores, Fry's saw a lot of its business siphoned away by that behemoth, Amazon. But back in the day, Fry's was one of those places where computer geeks could go in order to buy various components. You could stroll the aisles and select all the different pieces you needed to build a PC, and you could build it yourself for less than it would cost to buy a pre-assembled one to your own specifications. But the process did require a bit of research if you wanted to avoid making embarrassing mistakes, like, I don't know, picking a motherboard and a CPU that aren't compatible with each other. But who would do that? <laughs> Not this guy. <laughs> Let me tell you. <clears throat> anyway, it looks like it's the end of Fry's. And that is a real shame. Although, from what I understand, in more recent years, 
the experience of shopping at Fry's has taken a bit of a dip. And even in its heyday, when I used to go to Fry's, it was kind of a scavenger hunt to find all the stuff you needed. It wasn't necessarily laid out in a way that was user-friendly. And finally, in California, a federal judge has denied the request made by telecom and cable companies to block the state from enforcing a net neutrality law. The law makes it illegal for telecom companies to favor their own services over those provided by another party. So in other words, a company like Comcast would not be allowed to throttle a service like Netflix in an effort to persuade customers to use Comcast's own video-on-demand services instead. A few years ago, this was also the stance of the FCC in the United States, the federal-level administration that oversees these kinds of matters. But those restrictions were phased out during the Trump administration. In the wake of that event, California passed its own state law regarding net neutrality. A collection of telecommunications and cable companies are suing the state over the matter, but the general consensus seems to be that that effort is destined to fail, and with the Biden administration now overseeing federal operations, the FCC as a whole might reinstitute some of the restrictions that the previous administration had ended. It might be a good time for net neutrality, and a slightly tougher time for all those gigantic, almost monopolistic telecommunications companies that are dominating all realms of communications and media. I'm not crying over that, honestly. And that wraps up the news stories for this Thursday, February 25th, 2021. If you guys have suggestions for future topics I should cover on episodes of Tech Stuff, let me know. Reach out to me on Twitter. The handle is TechStuffHSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 